0: And verse 1, then David said, This is the house of the Lord God, and this is the altar of the burnt offering for Israel. And David commanded together, together the strangers that were in the land of Israel, and he sent masons to hew wrought stones to build the house of God. And David prepared iron in abundance for the nails for the house, or the nails for the doors of the gates and for the joinings, and brass in abundance without weight also cedar trees in abundance for the Zidonians, and they of Tyre brought much cedar wood to David. And David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender, and the house that is to be builded for the Lord must be exceeding magnifical of fame and of glory throughout all countries. I will therefore now make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. Then he called for Solomon, his son, and charged him to build an house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, My son, as for me, it was in my mind to build an house unto the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly and hast made great wars. Thou shalt not build an house unto my name, because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to thee who shall be a man of rest. And I will give him rest from all his enemies round about, for his name shall be Solomon. And I will give peace and quietness unto Israel in his days. He shall build an house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Now, my son, the Lord be with thee, and prosper thou, and build the house of the Lord thy God, as he hath said of thee. Only the Lord God give thee wisdom and understanding, and give thee charge concerning Israel, that thou mayest keep the law of the Lord thy God. Then shalt thou prosper, if thou takest heed to fulfill the statutes and judgments which the Lord charged Moses with concerning Israel. Be strong and of good courage. Dread not, nor be dismayed. Now behold, in my trouble, I have prepared for the house of the Lord a hundred thousand talents of gold And a thousand thousand talents of silver, and of brass and iron without weight, for it is in abundance. Timber also and stone have I prepared, and thou mayest add thereto. Moreover, there are workmen with thee in abundance, hewers and workers of stone and timber, and all manner of cunning men for every manner of work. Of the gold, the silver, and the brass, and the iron there is no number. Arise therefore and be doing, and the Lord be with thee. David also commanded all the princes of Israel to help Solomon his son, saying, Is not the Lord your God with you? And hath he not given you rest on every side? For he hath given the inhabitants of the land into mine hand, and the land is subdued before the Lord and before his people. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Arise, therefore, and build ye the sanctuary of the Lord your God, to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy vessels of God into the house that is to be built to the name of the Lord. Now look with me, if you would, please, in verse 5. and the very last sentence of the fifth verse, will note this phrase. So David prepared abundantly. I want to speak to you on that subject this morning. David prepared abundantly abundantly. David has recognized that he will not be able to build uh, the temple. It was in his heart to build it, but God said, David, you're not the man to build it. Your son will build it. So David, in the final days of his life, the twilight years of his life, he gave himself to the preparation of the construction of the temple. He wanted to set things in order And prepare everything so that when Solomon began to reign, he could take what his father had given him, and he could move forward and construct the temple. I think there are two things that characterize uh, David's preparation. Uh, First of all, we see that it was abundant. The Bible said, So David prepared abundantly. Uh, Solomon would say this in Ecclesiastes 9 in verse 10 whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. David, in the closing years of his life, with all of his energy, with all of his resources, with all of his heart, David prepared abundantly. He gave of himself abundantly. He didn't just carve out a, a little bit of time for God, a little bit of time for the, the people of God, or for the work of God. David poured his life into the work. Of the Lord he prepared abundantly he gave abundantly second Corinthians chapter 9 in verse 6 the Apostle Paul wrote this he said this I say he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully every man according as he purposeth in his heart so let him give not grudgingly uh, or of necessity for God loveth a cheerful giver. David, having received a revelation from God concerning where the tabernacle was to be built, with enthusiasm, with joy, he gave of himself and he prepared abundantly. A second characteristic of this preparation of David, we read again in verse five, so David prepared abundantly, note the last three words of the sentence, before his death. Before his death, David was at the close of life, the final days, the final years of life. David realized that uh, it wouldn't be long and he would no longer be alive on the earth. So with the time that he had, he gave himself to do the Lord's work. It was urgent. Jesus said in John 9 and verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh, when no man can work. We only have one opportunity in this life to invest and serve the Lord. May God help us to take advantage of all the days that he has for us, the days that remain. May we give ourselves to the work of God. And David prepared. He prepared abundantly. Now, I want to give you three areas of preparation. We'll go through them this morning. First of all, we're going to see that David prepared his soul He prepared his own heart. Secondly, we're going to see that David prepared his son, Solomon, the king. And then finally, that David prepared his servants. And may God by his spirit speak to us as we look at this passage. I want you to note, first of all, that David prepared his soul. David uh, received a revelation from the Lord that the place where he had offered the sacrifice which was the threshing floor of Arona the Jebusite, that would be the place where the temple of God would be constructed. Look at chapter 22 and verse number 1. Then David said, this is the house of the Lord God, and this is the altar of the burnt offering for Israel. Now, we need a little context for that statement. What had happened? Uh, David had sinned in numbering the people and a plague came upon Israel. We know that many died in the plague. And David began to pray and ask God for mercy, and God gave mercy. It was at the threshing floor of Arona the Jebusite that David saw the Lord. And notice in chapter 21, if you'll look just, just a few verses in front of these, in, in 1 Chronicles 21 and verse 25, The Bible says, so David gave to Ornan for the place 600 shekels of gold by weight. It was at this threshing floor that belonged to Ornan that David saw the Lord and where the mercy of God was poured out. And so David said, I want to purchase this place. Verse 26, and David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called upon the Lord and he answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar of the burnt offering and the Lord commanded the angel, <coughs> excuse me, and the Lord commanded the angel and he put up his sword again into the sheaf thereof. In this passage, we have God's anger with the people. We read of it in, in the closing chapter of 2 Samuel 2 Samuel 24, God was angry with the people because of their sin, and there was judgment by the Lord against them for their sin. And in the midst of that judgment, David is praying for the people and offering sacrifice. And it is in that moment that God in compassion, God in mercy, stops the angel from executing judgment and pours out his mercy upon the people. I want to say this to you, that the fulfillment of this actually came when Jesus Christ... The Son of David, the Son of God, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords came to Calvary and suffered and bled and died for you and I. The wrath of God was poured out upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He who had no sin, he who knew no sin, was made to be sin for us. Jesus Christ bore our sins in his body. He suffered, he bled, and he died on the cross to make payment for your sin and mine, and it is there at the cross where our judgment meets the mercy of God. David, recognizing the mercy of God in the midst of judgment, begins to worship the Lord in that place. And as as he stands there at the threshing floor of Ornan, he says, this is the place, chapter 22 now, Verse 1, this is the house of the Lord God, and this is the altar of the burnt offering for Israel. I want you to see that David prepared his soul in worship to God, in worship. He was thankful for the sacrifice that was made for him. He was thankful for the mercy of God. And I want to say that out of a heart of gratitude for the mercy of God, We ought to worship the Lord. And there the Bible says that David continued to offer sacrifices. And David said, wait a minute, this is the place where the temple of God, the house that David had longed to build most of his life, would be built. God revealed to him that it was in this place where mercy overruled and prevailed against judgment that God would be met and worshipped for generations to come in the nation of Israel. So David prepared his soul in worship. Then he prepared his soul with his work in in verses 2 through uh, 4. The Bible speaks of the fact that he gathered together the strangers, if you look in verse 2. And he sent masons to hew wrought stones to build the house of God. And David prepared iron in abundance for the nails of the doors of the gates and for the joinings and brass in abundance without weight also cedar trees in abundance for the Zidonians and they have Tyre brought much cedar wood to David. David said, if we're going to build this house, it's going to take materials. And he gathered the men who could do the gathering and he gathered the materials and it all came together. David poured out his life to get the work done. Uh, Martin Selman in his commentary on 1 Chronicles says this. He said, David's activities are not inconsistent with his old age. We don't see David up there on the roof nailing shingles, but here's what he did. He taught. He taught his son and the generation to come. He prayed. He developed the plans, and he initiated the fundraising for the temple. I want to say this to you. Let's do what we can while we can. Let's give ourselves to the work of the Lord so David prepared his soul in his worship and for his work, and he prepared his soul with his wealth. Look at verse number 5, and David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender, and the house that is to be builded for the Lord must be exceeding magnifical, of fame and of glory throughout all countries. I will therefore now make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. Look in verse 14, if you would please. Same chapter, 1 Chronicles 22. Now behold, in my trouble, this is David's word to Solomon, in my trouble I have prepared for the house of the Lord an hundred thousand talents of gold and a thousand talents of silver and of brass and iron without weight, for it is in abundance. Timber also and stone have I prepared that thou mayest add thereto. Moreover, there are workmen within abundance, hewers and workers of stone and timber, and all manner of cunning men for every manner of work, of the gold, the silver, and the brass, and the iron. There is no number. Arise, therefore, and be doing, and the Lord be with thee. David not only gave his work and his worship, but he gave of his wealth. He gave what he had for the construction of the work of God. When a man, when God has a man, when God has the man, when he has the heart of the man, he'll have the man's money. He'll have what the man has because he has the man. And David prepared his soul for the work of the Lord. A second thing we see here is that David prepared his son. He prepared his son. In uh, this chapter, in verse number six, the Bible said, then he called for Solomon, his son, and charged him, to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. Now we see in this charge, we see the passion of David's heart. Look in verse 7. Then David said to Solomon, my son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house under the name of the Lord my God. I want to say this to you. If we expect our children to embrace the truth of God's word and we have no passion ourselves for it, or for the Lord's house, or for the Lord's work. If we have no passion for it, how could we ever expect our children to get a hold of it? God commands the fathers in the book of Deuteronomy to teach their sons the truths of God's law. But before he tells them, to teach the truth, he tells them this, you must love me with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul. And I want to say to this to you, our children know what we love. They know what motivates us. They know the passions that we have. And if we want our children to get a hold of this truth, we better have a passion for the Lord in our own life. David had a passion for the work of God. It dominated his life. It wasn't just something he added to his schedule. It was the purpose of his life, to honor God and to serve God. Well, we see that in his passion, he spoke of the providence of God. Look at verse 8. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly, and hast made great wars. Thou shalt not build a house unto my name, because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to thee, who shall be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies round about, for his name shall be Solomon. And I will give peace and quietness unto Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name, he shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. I want you to imagine that you're Solomon, and your father comes to you and says, I wanted to build a house for God. You know all about that. Solomon, oh, yes, Dad, I know. If anything matters to you, it's the house of the Lord. He said, well, I want to build the house, but God won't let me. But God told me a long time ago, Solomon, that I would have a son whose name would be Solomon. That's you. And God said that you were going to build the house. Now, I want you to think about who Solomon is. Some of you may know this. But Solomon is the son of Bathsheba. David committed the worst sin of his life with Bathsheba. He committed adultery. And trying to cover that sin up, he had Bathsheba's husband Uriah killed in the battle. Basically, essentially, he murdered him to cover his sin. If you're Solomon, you're the son of Bathsheba, you're thinking to yourself, nobody has a lot of respect for me. Everybody knows how this whole thing played out. I'm here because my dad sinned and my mother sinned. But let me say this to you. In the midst of great sin, there is great grace. Maybe you're here this morning and the sins of your past, the sins of your life plague you night and day. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He'll remind you of them all the time. But we have a Savior who loves us, and where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. And I think it's interesting to know that out of that relationship, a son was born, Solomon, who would be the very man that God would use to build his house. What a wonderful thing. What is he speaking here of? He's speaking of the providence of God. He's saying, Solomon, God loved you and he knew you before you were ever born and God has chosen you to build a house for his name. What a wonderful thing to know that we who were lost and without Christ and and, 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 and we who were guilty in our sin because of the grace of God, he has saved us and brought us into his family and he's given us a place here at his table and among his people and he allows sinners like us to serve him. What a glorious God we have. Oh, we ought to thank God for the providence of the Lord and the mercy of God. And Then he, he, he comforted him with this thought, the presence of God. Look in verse number 11. Now, my son, the Lord be with thee, and prosper thou and build the house of the Lord thy God, as, as he hath said to thee, Only the Lord give thee wisdom and understanding and give thee charge concerning Israel that thou mayest keep the law of the Lord thy God. Then shalt thou prosper if thou takest heed to fulfill the statutes and judgments which the Lord charged Moses with concerning Israel. Be strong and of a good courage. Dread not, nor be dismayed. What did he tell him? He said, God is with you. Verse 11, the Lord be with you. God is here. Now, Martin Selman, in his commentary of 1 Chronicles, said this. He says, the Lord be with you is not just conventional good wishes. It's not just a phrase like good morning or God bless you. He says, the Lord be with you is a vital piece of Old Testament theology. It guarantees Solomon's ultimate success and anticipates the enabling work of the Holy Spirit. The fact that David's instructions are enclosed within a prayer for his son shows his own awareness that the temple could be completed only by relying on God's help. I think about the prayer of Solomon. Remember what he said? The Lord said, Ask what you want. And Solomon said, I'm like a little child. I don't know how to go out, and I don't know how to come in. God, I need you and I need wisdom. And I want to say this to you. This is where we are as a church family. We're like little children. We don't have all the answers, but we have a God who does. He's with us. In 1940, a man came to Hickory, North Carolina with a gospel tent. He preached the gospel and people were saved. As a result of that, they began to gather. And in 1941, meeting in a, a, a wooden tabernacle, that's where we got the name, Tabernacle, a wooden tabernacle, they formed a church. But later on, they would move over uh, toward the L.R. campus. I don't even know if L.R. was there at the time. I'm not a Hickory historian. I'm an East Tennessee transplant, so forgive me. They moved over off of Fifth Avenue near there, and... Uh, build a church. Later on, they came to 29th Avenue Drive. They built the education building, the gymnasium. They started a Christian school. They met in the gym. Eventually, they built this auditorium, and here we are. After 82 years and three different properties, here we are with a fourth property in front of us that just happens to be next door. That Robert Settle, one of our former pastors, said, I used to walk around this property and pray and ask God to give it to us. R.J. Starnes walked that walk with him. R.J.'s here in this building this morning. You see, God has been with us as a church, and God will continue to be with us as we go forward. We just need to be reminded of the presence of God. You see, oftentimes we see the presence of problems and difficulties, but we need to remember that God is with us, and he will lead us. Well, then he also spoke to him of the provisions for the house in verses 14 through 16. I read that passage to you earlier. What did we learn there? We learned that David said, Solomon, I want you to know there's a lot of things ready, the material, the gold, uh, the, the, the stone, the, the wood that you're going to need, it's there. I've done my best to hand it to you. It's been handed down from generation to generation. And by the way, we've been handed the truth from generation to generation. We have a responsibility to hand it to others. And so we see that David prepared his soul. He prepared his own heart. And then David prepared his son, and may God help the men and women of this church to prepare the children and the future generations. That's why we have a bus ministry. That's why we have Sunday school and Bible clubs on Wednesday night. That's why we have a summer camp. And and, and that's why we we have a, a Christian school. All of these things are designed to teach truth and impart truth to the coming generation. Well, then lastly, we see that David prepared his servants. He prepared his own heart. He prepared his own soul. He prepared his son. And then finally, he prepared his servants in verse 17. David also commanded all the princes of Israel to help Solomon, his son, saying, It is not the Lord, is not, rather, is not the Lord your God with you. And David is asking essentially here for the men of Israel to help his son. I want to say this to you, the work of the church cannot be done without the help of all of God's people. Uh, The babies in the nursery can't be cared for unless you're willing to help them. The choir cannot sing beautiful music. An orchestra cannot play the music that is playing unless you get involved, unless you're helping. The ushers and greeters cannot receive the offering unless there are people there to take it. We need your help. We need your help in the Bible club. We need your help in the ministry of the work of God. And by all means, as we go forward, as we branch out, as we expand, as we begin construction, as we raise funds, we need your help. This is what he's saying. He says in verse 18, is not the Lord your God with you? You say, what can I do? I'm just one person. I, I don't have that much to offer. What you have to offer, understand this, is all that God asks. And he is with you. And he will enable you. Notice what he says, and hath he not given you rest on every side? For he hath given the inhabitants of the land into mine hand, and the land is subdued before the Lord and before his people. He said, God has helped you. Now you need to get engaged in helping in the work of the Lord. So he prepared his servants, and he said, help Solomon. Then he said something else. Look at verse 19. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. Here's the second thing he asked them to do, seek the Lord, to seek the Lord. What does that mean? Does it mean God's hidden and we have to search for him? No, that's not what it means. It just simply means we need to obey God. To seek the Lord is to obey God, to, to obey his commandments. Let me give you a reference to write down 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 8 and 9. 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 8 and 9. And in that passage, David says this, Now therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the congregation of the Lord and in the audience of our God, keep and seek for all the commandments of the Lord your God. Then later on in verse 9, he says, If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. In other words, if you will obey God, God has promised that he's with you. He's with you. So seek the Lord. Seek God. Obey his command. Obey his word. God's not hard to find. He's there. So seek him. Help, seek, and then in verse 19, build. Build the sanctuary. Arise, therefore, and build ye the sanctuary of the Lord, to bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy vessels of God into the house that is to be built to the name of the Lord God. Do you know what we're engaged in every day, every Sunday? Every Wednesday night, every Monday, Tuesday, and each day that follows, we're engaged in the work of the Lord. May God help us to arise and to build. David prepared his soul. He prepared it in worship. He prepared his soul in his work. And with his wealth, he gave what he had. He prepared his son. He reminded his son that God was with him, that God had chosen him, and that God had provided all that was needed. And by the way, the Bible says that my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. He said, Pastor, how are we going to pay for that? How is that going to happen? Look at, look at the situation. Look at the need. How are we going to do that? We have a God who is far greater. That's how it's going to happen. And we're trusting him. And then he prepared the servants. He said, help. Over the next 90 days, we're going to ask all of you to help. Take your part. Do what you can. And let's see what God will do. You remember that little boy that came to Jesus and his disciples? There were 5,000, not counting the women and the children. They had followed Jesus, and Jesus had compassion. He said to his disciples, give ye them to eat. And they said, wait a minute, what are we going to feed them? I mean, if we took all the money we had and and we went to the store, we couldn't buy enough food to feed this multitude. And they said, well, there's one lad here who has five loaves and a few small fishes. And what did Jesus say? Well, that's not enough. You see, everybody has something to give, right? He said, bring them to me. And he blessed and he broke and he fed the multitude. They were all filled, is what the Bible tells us. And that day, there were 12 baskets full leftover to-go boxes. But they were better than to-go boxes. They were to-go baskets. And all the disciples got to go home and eat some more fish and bread. God will provide. Let's prepare. Let's prepare abundance.